Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and how great you are. And it's good to be here today. It's good to share our hearts and lives with those we love, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are brothers and sisters. Thank you for the family of God, the unity we feel in this body. Continue to draw us closer in the bond of love. We praise you. We thank you. And all of these that need healing today, we ask and lift to you. Heard the request. All of those that need financial, Lord, help. We pray today that you would pour out your blessings upon them. All of those, Lord, that need emotional help, whatever it may be, guidance, just need strength, dear God. We just ask you today to do these things. Thank you, Lord, today that you're involved in every aspect of our lives. You're not a God that's distance. You're a God that's here right now. And we thank you by the power of your spirit. And we pray today what you're doing here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We ask you would increase our anointing here that you would increase the ministry that's happening here and the blessing of the Sunday school lesson that I sit and listen to this morning, the blessing that there's an impartation of things that are happening today in this church from the very throne room of grace, that dear God today would change our lives forevermore. And that's what we're all about. We're about loving you and loving other people and telling them about Jesus Christ. Father, do that today. Give us a holy boldness that we would never back down, that we will continue to trudge forward, dear God, under your might and your strength. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Michelle, would you come forward? Would you sing with us? Michelle is going to lead us in I Love You, Lord. Let's sing together. Turn in your Bibles, if you would. Thank you, Michelle and Mary. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. The harvest is near. Matthew 13, verses 24 through Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. The parable of the weeds, the tares. On February 15, 2015, NBC Nightly News anchor Brian Williams was suspended and eventually demoted because of a story that he told on January the 30th. He was referencing an event that occurred while he was on the field reporting on the Iraq War in 2003, and he falsely claimed 
that a military helicopter he was traveling in had been forced down after being hit by an RPG. And I obviously, I have a hard time believing that Brian Williams would blatantly lie on a national television program. But I think it's likely that early on that he embellished the story and then over time he continued to add to the story and eventually he began to believe that it really happened that way. It has been said that if you tell a lie long enough, people will begin to believe it. And I think it's also true if you tell a lie long enough that you will begin to believe it. We know that to be true, don't we? There are many people today, I believe, who have had some emotional experience somewhere along the way or began to profess that they were saved and, and that they have come to a place here where they really believe that they're born again. I hear people saying today, uh, Jim, I'll say, when did you come to Christ? And they'll say, well, uh, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. But if you press people in and, and eventually they're not able to really give you a testimony about exactly when they were saved and how they were saved and so forth. And these are people that one day will stand before Jesus at judgment and hear him say, I never knew you, depart from me, you that work iniquity. There are people today that believe that they are Christians and they will say they're Christians because, again, that's sort of the thing to say and kind of the, I respond that way. But there are people today that have never been saved, people today that have never been born again. And this, this particular parable is talking about, and so I want to read it from the NIV. In verse uh, 24, it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and then in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. The parable of the wheat and the weeds are the tares when we see that. How tragic would it be to go to hell from a church pew. It will be tragic. In Hebrews chapter 9 it says that it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And in this text Jesus speaks of an impending harvest time and I believe that we're right there at the harvest time. I believe that that's going to happen. I believe that they're white for harvest. I believe people today, they're seekers today. But on the other side of that, in my experience in travels there, certainly with hospice, I see less people today seeking the Lord from what I can tell in my own life and seeing people that really know Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ, they've surrendered their hearts to Jesus and they know him as their personal Lord and Savior. Today, there are less people today than what I saw 24 years ago when I began traveling throughout the city and going into homes every day. I see that today. We see it. Jesus shares with us a parable farmer that planted a field of wheat. He planted good seeds and then expecting a bountiful harvest. But while his servants were sleeping, an enemy came 
And he sowed the tares, or the weeds, among the wheat. And as these weeds come up, they look exactly like the wheat. It's only after the wheat has gotten to a certain height and has grain on it that you see the difference there because on the wheat there are the grains of wheat and then on the tares there are like tiny black seeds that are there. Early on as you look at the field it has the appearance of a bountiful harvest but as the harvest continues to grow it becomes apparent that these tares or certainly the weeds are among the wheat and the farmer's servants eventually noticed that there was a problem. And they informed the farmer and offered to pull up the tares, but the farmer knew that the roots were entangled amongst each other, amongst the wheat there. And he said, well, if you pull up the tares, the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat also. And it says, let them grow up together until the time of the harvest. And at the harvest time, the reapers will gather the tares first, and they will bind them and burn them. And this, the good crop, the wheat, will be gathered and stored in the farmer's barn here. The parable here is that the sower is Jesus Christ. And the enemy who sowed the tares or the weeds there is Satan. And the wheat represents those who are saved, and the tares represent those who are lost but appear to be saved. Those who are saved will be gathered together in heaven, and those who are lost will be gathered and cast into to the eternal lake of fire. Let me say this with all certainty. There is an eternal lake of fire. Theologically has been deluded and somehow tampered with along the way. And we feel like that certainly God would do, wouldn't do this. And people will tell me today, Jim, certainly God would not send anybody to hell. He, you say he's a loving God and so forth. God does not send people to hell. They choose to reject God Almighty. If they don't want to live for him here, if they don't want to have a relationship with him there, how do they expect when they get to heaven that they're going to re- want a relationship with him at that time? They'll have nothing to do with God even at that time because their hearts are so hard because the prompting of the Holy Spirit they have rejected over a long period of time to a point to where they no longer hear, hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking and they no longer, they reject, they reject, they do not surrender, they do not give their hearts to Christ and they're so hardened that they will not hear that and they will not want to be, live with God throughout eternity. The book of Revelation is plain about that. They'll say, call the rocks down on us. But they will not repent. And the Bible says here in Revelation, it talks about it continually. They will not repent. And repentance is turning and going the opposite way. But basically, repentance is also changing your mind about how you believe about God Almighty. They will not change their mind. Even though they're being tormented by the Bible there in Revelation, talks about like scorpions stinging them continuously. They will not repent. And so today we're seeing here, and we, I believe this message is for certainly all people, but certainly the church today. They're church members, people who come in, who have their names that are written on the church rolls, but their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. They've never been born again. They've never surrendered to Christ. They've done good things. They've ministered. They've obviously maybe sung in the choir. They've sung. They've done this. They've testified and so forth, but they've never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an impending harvest that's going to take place. In Romans 13, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. The word of God proclaims that the Lord will return one day, and I believe that certainly that day is closer than we could ever imagine here. And we think about this and we say, well, is that term you're using a lost church member? Certainly it should be an oxymoron, but it's not. As long as there's been a local church, there have been lost church members. 
There have been people that I know of that were in church for long periods of time and they came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in their time there. Eventually, God, they convicted them. They were doing great things today. I believe there are ministers today that are not saved. There are people that are obviously preaching all types of, of teachings and many of them are not saved. I believe they're deacons today. I believe they're elders today. I believe they're people that sing in choirs today. I believe they're pre- people sitting in the pews today who've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to couch this by saying certainly is we all are moving in sanctification as we're born again. And we're not, we have not arrived. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the people that have downright rejected the gospel of grace because they believe it is a gospel of grace because today most religions as I've always said are based upon works it's something that I can do well Jim he's been a good man he's been a good father he's been a good this he's been a good that and all that I understand that and I really appreciate that does he know Jesus has he put his life in Jesus's hands is Jesus in his heart of hearts knowing that he's the only way to heaven today. See, many people today, there are many ways to heaven. There are many ways. You know, you go your way and all gods are the same. No, they're not. No, they're not. I hear that continually. So I want to look at this today because I want to tell you, you know when you, even I'm raised in the country, you talk about the impending harvest. And you know, a cotton crop, you can ride down row after row and you can see that white, the little tuft of the cotton there and they'll be blooming. I believe today, I believe that's the way it is. I believe it's ready for those cotton pickers to get out there and pick that cotton because I believe the impending harvest is going to take place and it could take place at any time. Are you ready? Are you ready to be used of the Lord? Are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved by the grace of God? Nothing can obviously save you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. The first thing we want to look at is the seeds that are planted in verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The owner of the field sowed the good seed. The enemy came along and sowed the tares or the weeds among it. And why would the enemy do this? And his intention, the enemy's intention, is to ruin the crop. This was a direct attack on the farmer. In these verses, there are a couple of contrasts. First, there are two different sowers. One sower of the seed, Jesus Christ. The other sower of the seed is certainly Satan. Satan would have us to just say, well, you know, you haven't done anything real bad. So, you know, you're deserving of this. Of course you are. You know, surely God didn't say that. Surely God's word is not for today. It's an old, old archaic book. It really means nothing. Keep it on your coffee table, drawing the dust that's always been there. You see, today, that's what the enemy, the sower of the tares, the seeds, the bad seeds today, is telling people continuously today that the Bible is not relevant for today's life. It's no longer applicable You don't need that. You don't need to follow God's word. You don't need to read God's word. You don't need to pray. Everybody's going to heaven. I mean, this thing is good. Let's go, you know. We're going to heaven. Well, what's heaven? I don't know. That's what they say. I don't know, but that's where I'm going. Well, how are you going? I don't know. You know, I've been good. I, I helped my neighbor. I went to church every Sunday. I did this and I did that. 
Well, where do you know when you were saved? Do you know when you accept? I've been I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't either. People say that today, and I know I see children that have a really, uh, a, it's kind of like they have an understanding of who God is. But let me tell you, there's a point in time where you realize that you're a sinner, and you're in need of God's saving grace, and you realize that you don't have any way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Because when the Spirit of, Christ, of God touches your spirit, you realize that you are total depravity. You realize the wretchedness that you are. And at the same time, you realize amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that you're saved by Jesus Christ and Him alone. Do you know Him that way? Or are you just sort of given a mental assent? Many people today, oh yeah, I know Jesus. Well, tell me about it. Have you all, have you? No, I, I'm not going to church, and, and I'm certainly not talking about that. Jim, don't get too preachy now about this. That's what they tell me. You don't want to push on this thing now. I'm talking about the seriousness of what we're in right now today because many people today are tares and they're not saved. They're not born again. The seeds that are planted, there's different sowers, the seed of grace, the gospel of grace here. It produces eternal life. And certainly long before Christ's arrival, Satan attempted to thwart God's plan for mankind. You look at the Garden of Eden here. And from that time until the present, he continues to spread seeds of deceit and discord. He, discord, he is obviously the master deceiver. He lies, he lies, he lies. People today don't know. People will say, well, the Bible says, you know, God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical. <laughs> God helps those who can't help themselves. And we give up. That's what the people tell me. How many people have told you that? We chuckle because we know that's what people say. Well, God helps those who help themselves. I'm going to help God out here a little bit, you know, and, and all of that. And if you get to the root of what their belief system is, you realize they don't know Jesus. They've never put their complete trust in Jesus Christ. And that's where we are today. There are two different seeds, good seeds of wheat and the tares there. One is authentic, the other is a cheap imitation of the real thing. You see, what happens is God comes along with the authentic thing and Satan comes along and he counterfeits. In the end times, there'll be counterfeits. There'll be counterfeits of everything because Satan takes and what God does perfectly and then he twists it just a little bit. He begins to change it just a little bit. That's why you have the different religions today. You listen to what they're saying and they don't even use the Bible anymore. They use that particular book of, and you fill in the blanks, more than what they use the Word of God. They do not get back to the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. If people come knocking on your door and they say, I want to give you this little magazine here, and y'all know what it is, and you feel that you want to talk to them, and you feel the Spirit of God wanting to share with them, if you bring them in and you begin to talk about what they believe, they do not know. They have no idea. And let me tell you something right now. I'll tell you, the Watchtower... And the Jehovah's Witness is an occult. And obviously, if you talk to them, because they will not let a Christian in their home. I walked in one day, and I thought they were going to throw me out. They're not saved. They're not Christians. And they're not going to heaven. They're going to hell. And you know what I see now in my travels? There are more people that have fallen for the deceitfulness of Satan for the Jehovah's Witness, quote, religion, than ever before that I've seen. Good people, very nice people. And when I call them and they'll say, Jim, no, nah, we, don't, we don't need you to come by here and all. We have our, our elders 
to come in, and that's what they have. But if I got, I've gone in before and gotten in before they knew it, and one particular, I thought they were going to throw me out of there. But let me tell you today, they believe it's the truth. Jehovah. I mean, it sounds good. Jehovah. Yeah. Jehovah God. No, he's not the same. That's not it. It's their deceitfulness because there's a little, there's a twist. If you look at what they believe, they do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They only believe that 144,000, which actually are saved Jews in the book of Revelation, that they're going to go in there. I don't know. They're trying their best. And they're working, going door to door because they believe their works will bring them salvation. They're people today that are not a part of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're people in the Mormon religion also. Let me tell you, Mormons are not Christians. They're not Christians. You know what they believe about Jesus Christ? That he was created? You look into the theology of that. You need to be aware of this, church, because today there are tares out there, and there are people that believe that they're saved, and they're not saved. They're lost as a goose. They don't know him. They don't know Jesus. The crop, the second thing, is the crop that is produced. The farmer planted the seeds and waited. The rains came, and some time passed, and the crop sprang up from the soil. And early on, things looked great. It seemed that a bountiful harvest was on its way, but after a while, the servants noticed that something wasn't quite right here. And that contrast is, is we know that, obviously, they, the tear looks identical to the wheat to begin with, but as it continues to grow, there's a noticeable difference. As a tear matures, it stands up straight, but as the wheat matures, it begins to bend towards the earth due to the weight of the wheat in its head. There's an impending harvest, but today there is a contrast in the church. Now, I believe symbolically you could look at this wheat, and I've been in wheat fields because my uncle had wheat fields, and my cousins and my brother and all, we'd go out there and lay down on the wheat. Well, it would smash the wheat down. My uncle would get just mad as anything. <laughs> you boys get out of my wheat field because there would be a time where obviously the, uh, the combine would come and pick the wheat. Well, the, the kernels on the wheat would begin to bend the wheat forward as it got older and as it began to mature. I believe that could be symbolic of the more we grow in Jesus Christ, the more humble we are. The more we realize we're relying upon his power and his strength, the more we know we are dependent upon God Almighty. As we get older, we begin to bend more and more. Our hearts bend more and more there. A tear stands straight up. Mm-mm, proud. Proud, no. So symbolically, you could look at it like that, couldn't you? You could say there, there is that counterfeit that's there. Bearing, bowing low before God Almighty. The more you realize what God has done for you, the more you realize that Jesus is the only answer, the more you realize that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and that he is so gracious to be able, by his amazing grace, touch your life and bring you out of your sin and give you a ticket to heaven there because of the shed blood of the Lamb, because of his shed blood there, the more you humble yourself, the more you more grateful that you are as a result of all of that. So you could see it in the same way, symbolically there. I believe even in assemblies today, meeting throughout the city, there are people who have received a call to salvation. They've recognized their lost condition. They've realized the need for a Savior. They've repented of their sins. They've requested forgiveness and life in Jesus Christ. And you've been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. Your sins have been forgiven and you have been born again. You began to walk with the Lord and you've grown in grace and you matured spiritually. But there is a contrast. 
Obviously, there may be some who have shed their tears of shame and regret. Maybe they're terrified of going to hell. Perhaps an emotional experience without really being born again. Somehow along the way, you've knelt at maybe even an altar. You've prayed a prayer along with a preacher at a crusade. You've joined a church. You, you were baptized. You began to serve the Lord. You gave to missions. You led others to the Lord. You never miss a service. You taught a class. You've worked with the children. You've served on a committee or even there on the deacon or elder board. You've read your Bible daily. You worship and praise regularly. You pray continually. And you witness often and you may do all these things and still die and go to hell. None of this matters if you haven't had a true conversion experience. If you've never been born again. Can you tell me when and where? Can you tell me when your life changed? Can you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life today? Are you more in love with Jesus today than you were back when you got saved? Are you more obviously surrendered to Him than you were even back then? You know, it is growth and it is sanctification. We've not arrived. We'll be glorified one day in the presence of God. Right now it's sanctification. So we're all growing in Christ. But I'm asking you these serious things today and I want to tell you the reason. There are two reasons. First of all, because if anybody here is not saved and anybody in this place is not giving their heart to Jesus Christ, the day may be the day that God is saying today, I want you to know that you know that you know. And the second reason is I want you to be aware today this is where we are in our society. There are many people today who are tares. There are many people today who have dropped out of church because the preacher talked too much about money or whatever they, excuse they could have not to darken a church door. There are people today out there who are lost today. And if they go out of, this, out of this world without Jesus Christ in their hearts, they will be separated from the presence of God Almighty for eternity today. That is not obviously always Politically correct, but it is theologically correct. You see today, it's time for a heads up because there is an impending harvest that's going to take place. It's a mighty harvest that God wants to produce and, and bring people into the kingdom of God. But you and I have got to be sure of it. No, God, I want to be saved. I know you and I realize you're the only way to heaven. And whatever it is that God puts on your heart, you need to bring to him because he wants all to come to eternal life there. You know, Paul, he never forgot about his experience. They're on the road to Damascus. He was killing Christians, and Jesus struck him down. He saw a light. He went blind. He blinded him. He never forgot about it, and he talked about it there in the New Testament. He talked about his, what happened there. It's not always based upon necessarily that experience. So, but where is your faith today? What do you believe today? Do you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven? There's a confusion concerning the crop. The servants, there in verse 27, so the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, you want us, those who sow the good seed in our field, and from there have been tares that have came up. And he said unto them, An enemy has done this here. They were confused here. An enemy has done this. They were confused about it today. There'll be many people today surprised when they stand before God Almighty and they stand there on what they believe to be their own merit. Their own, obviously, works. Their own way of doing things. I, do, I never wanted to do this. You know, I, I get along, and I can sort of lollygag along through church, and I can do this, and I can come in here and look real good before the crowd, and I can do this and that. But the truth is, the real significance, and obviously the most important thing is, are you saved? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Do you know God's grace? Have you realized that you're, say, you're, you're a sinner, and the only way out of this is through the blood of Jesus Christ? 
Is He more precious to you today than He's ever been in your lifetime? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you doing this? Are you seeking Him? Because the Bible says if we seek Him with all of our heart, He said that we, He will be found by us. He promises these things. Some of the greatest soul winners I believe in this world's ever had or seen may be in hell right now. It may be confusing, but we've got to remember that the witness doesn't save people. The gospel of Christ is what saves them. Hell is filled with good, moral, religious people. If you're a tear, then you're not going to make it in heaven. You're not going to make it. If you've been truly born again, this will be your destiny. We, we will one day live with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever in His glory and His majesty. But I want to tell you today, we need to worship Him like He's majestic because He is. He's here right now. We need to not go through the motions of church. We need not to go through the motions of our lifetime. And we need to go through knowing that we're saved by His grace and the power that God gives us to be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are overcomers by His grace today. The devil has sowed seeds in our hearts today to cause us to back off of maybe even telling people about Jesus. And that's why I talked about the CARES group earlier today. It's because those people are committed to telling people about Jesus Christ in apartment complexes where 95% are not connected with a local assembly and some are not saved today. And that cares group is committed to sharing about Jesus Christ today. And one man stood up there and he's in the Mariposa in Laporte. He and his wife. And he said, can I share with you as a group what I do? He said, before I go out and we gather as a group and people who are gathering there and in the complex, maybe have a meal together or do some type of social activity together, I ask for holy boldness. And he said, then I ask that the blood of Jesus would cover this place, cover this complex, Lord. We invite you, Spirit of God, to come and move in this place. And so far... They've been beginning to lead people to Jesus Christ. Holy boldness today. We're not here to just sort of get through this life. God's going to give us what we need. He promises. If you're doing the will of God, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, He says, those who do the will of my Father are called children of God. Isn't that a good, obviously, uh, uh, way of looking at it in the sense of the truth of knowing if you're doing the will of God. Are you doing the will of God? Is God's will the most important thing in your life and in my life? If we're doing that, we're seeking it. Sometimes we feel like we've missed it. But if you're seeking it, God has a way of putting you. If you want God's will more than any, that's a good sign that you're not a tear. Because the Bible says if you're doing the will of the Father, then you are a child of God Almighty. You doing His will? You won't really want to do His will? Is that the longing of your heart? The harvest that is planted, planned. No one plants seeds without expecting a harvest. And throughout the ages, the Lord has been planting good seed. And all the while, Satan has been sowing tares among them. This is a coming day here of a great harvest. In verse 28, the servant said unto him, Will you... Then can we go and gather them up? And he said, no, don't do that. Because if you gather up the tares, you'll root up the wheat also. Let them both grow together until the harvest at that time. You see, there's still time, I believe, to be saved. There's t still time to give your heart to Jesus Christ. 
There's still time. God is saying in Second Peter, through, through his apostle Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some man, men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us and not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and eternal life. God is not slow. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's patient. He's kind. But when we stand before God Almighty, we'll not be able to make any excuse because I know God will send somebody their way to share the gospel. You see, that's what it's about today. Are you saved? The destruction there, and in time of the harvest, I'll say that the reapers gather them together, first to tares, and bind them in bundles and burn them. Jesus is coming back. I believe the time of the harvest speaks of the day of the Lord. When Jesus comes back there, he will come to gather his people just as a farmer gathers the wheat, and he'll cut down the wicked like a farmer cuts down his wheat there. In Revelation 14, it talks about Jesus. He takes a sickle, and he just takes and mows it down. He begins to, obviously, he's getting the harvest in today. We live in that season, I believe. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you and I need to be ready, and we need to be able to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if your name's on the church roll. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? That's all that makes any difference, okay? If you're a child of God, he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. The destination, the tares are bound, they're burned. But we know those that are saved are saved to eternal life, will be with Jesus. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death there. We'll be reunited with our loved ones who have already gone on. We'll worship the Father at his throne. You'll cast your crowns at the feet of your Savior. You'll be given a glorified body. You'll live in a land with no more sin. They'll be free of temptation. You'll never have to deal with the devil again. We'll join together around the throne and sing a new song. We'll bow before Jesus and proclaim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And those who are saved have a promise of amazing life that will never end here. Do you look forward to that day? I'm looking forward to it. Do you look forward to it? Amen. Say amen. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. That's too much stuff. I visit people with ALS. Y'all know what that is. Lou Gehrig's I did. And a lot of times the paralysis will take place from the neck down. Some people are paralyzed all the way. And eventually their respiratory system will shut down because it becomes paralyzed also. And they can't move. They're completely like this. I was with somebody not too long ago. And he, I said, how are you doing? He said, Jim, I've asked God to take me. This is horrible. He's a Christian. I've talked to him about Jesus and asked him invited Christ in and so forth. But he said, I've asked God. I said, I bet you have because you know you'll not be suffering anymore. He said, you know what? He said, something like an itch on my body. My body itches and I can't itch it. And it drives you crazy. I had to call the caregivers there at the home and they'll have to come in there and scratch that itch because he cannot scratch it. One day, there was no more ALS, Lou Gehrig's. There's no more of these things in heaven. We'll be free of all this stuff. Don't you look forward to that? No more aches and pains, no more knee problems, no more back problems. We will be celebrating Jesus today. You see, that's the only thing that keeps us going today, but I want you to be sure that you're not a tear, that you're not a weed there. It's not about what you do or I do. It's about what Jesus did. And don't live this life with a hope of salvation, know that you know him. Not just I hope so, but that I know him with the full assurance of salvation today. What Jesus has said here, there was a man in Kentucky who began preaching at the age of 15. 
He served the church faithfully and preached the word boldly. He studied, prayed, worshipped, and led others to the Lord. He began pastoring a church and had great success. But one night in a revival meeting that he had planned, the Lord convicted him and revealed to him that he was lost. He seemed to be at the center of God's will, but all along he was a tear. He had never really put his heart and his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ there. I know you see people today. They've been there all along. They've never accepted Christ. Where is your faith this very minute? Where is your faith that you can say, I'm trusting Jesus right now? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling upon him. I I assume that these that are not saved have never really turned their life over to Jesus. You'll see something happen when you're saved. There's a change that takes place. You're not perfect, and we're not there. But there's something. We'll be perfect in love and with Jesus, and we'll be here on this side, perfect in love, not perfect in our actions, our motives, and all. We still need to confess our sins. But have you given your heart and life to Jesus? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And there I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil doers. I didn't know you. Sometimes today, there are many that want a feel-good religion. Name it, claim it. You just need to say it. Here is something in speaking. Definitely, we need to speak the truth in love, and we need to speak these things. We need to be get out of that negative mode. But you're not going to make something materialize because you speak it. Is it the will of God? Are you willing today? Because there's suffering. There can be persecution, and there will be. I believe that's going to increase in our lifetime before we go home to be with the Lord unless Jesus comes back or he takes me home through natural death. I believe we will have that challenge today. God Almighty will give us the grace. And y'all seen grace happen. I I see grace every day in my life to be able to encounter the different things in my life that I encounter. You see that. God gives that. And he'll provide that in times of severe persecution also. But the question is, are you a child of God? Do you know him? Does he know you? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Several weeks ago, we talked about that surrender is actually better than commitment. It's a deeper level. Are you going deeper and deeper with the Lord? Are you saying, Lord, take that spiritual scalpel and cut away those things that are not like Jesus in my life? Are you saying, no, no, I don't want this? There were many that began following Jesus. You remember the story there? Maybe John, not sure. It's in the book of John, and, and they... He said, well, you've got to drink of my, eat of my body and drink of my blood. And he said, they, many said, this is too hard a saying for us. We're out of here. And many left him at that time. Because of the challenges in life, have you walked away? Have you just said, well, this is too, this is too far from me. I, I didn't sign up for this. If you're a child of God, he knows exactly what it takes to make you and me more like Jesus Christ. And I know you all know that. So whatever it may be, give it up and let God have his way.
He will take us to where he wants to take us if we're willing. That's individually and that's as a church. He'll take this church where he wants to take this church. This is his church. It's not our church. It's our church we come to, but it, God Almighty, it's his church. It's Jesus' church. And I'm asking Jesus to do whatever he wants to do in this church, in this body, in my life. I don't care what he does, and I don't care how he does it. All I want is, is to know it's him to begin with, and that, dear God, that he is having his way with us. It's the only way. And that's called total surrender, total giving it up. God will do it if we'll ask him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence, your love. We thank you today as we come. And dear Lord, let every person here to have the assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. Let not be one tear in here. One that has sort of gone along, but has really never surrendered to Christ. One maybe has said, I, I, you know, I can do it on my own. And never given their heart to Jesus. Maybe today is the day they say, Lord, come into my life and save me. I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to be born again because I want to go into your kingdom when I die. I want to live with you eternity. I want to be with you forever and ever and ever. And until that time, I want to serve you with my whole heart. And I want to do exactly what you want me to do because that's what the Bible says. Those who do the will of the Father be called children of God. I pray that today, Father, that you would do that. I pray today, Father, you would do with Lighthouse Fellowship what you want to do, whatever it is you want to do. At your church, we are just here, and we're glad to be here. And we're grateful today for what you are doing today. And we don't despise the day of small things. But we ask for greater things, O oh Lord. We get, ask for a greater anointing upon the ministry here at Lighthouse Fellowship, a greater anointing, a greater outpouring of your spirit, O oh Lord, an outpouring upon the community, an outpouring upon those outreaches that we have, O oh God. And that you would use us and it would all bring glory and honor to you because that's all we're here for. That is to lift up your holy name and praise you forever and ever. Let us begin here and now as we surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.